This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 620 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Bait Saddlery, Mud Control Grids by Han Plastics, and TotalSaddleFit.com. On tonight's USDF show, we are joined by Jennifer Williams, who will be competing next week in the U.S. Olympic Selection Trials. After that, we have a great conversation with former competitive young riders who have come back to riding later in life. Then we have a chat about horse show etiquette. Reese and I will finish the show with a trainer tip about the sensitive horse. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How are you this week? Hi, Reese. Uh, pretty busy, actually. We had a couple of weeks off, and I've been filling it with riding and teaching and, you know, getting into a somewhat normal summer routine. So that's been awesome. Awesome. I, that especially because you guys have uh, Canada's been in lockdown a lot longer than the United States for sure. So, gosh, it's good to hear that. And it's good to hear the excitement in your voice again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were uh, well. Just uh, was riding a lot outside. Now it's the ch- the weather's really changed, and uh, the summer is my favorite season. And the yeah. horses are going well, and and all this you know, like lots of great stuff happening, and and uh, hopefully. More, more on the horizon and maybe even a horse show. What? I love it. I love it. Well, we, we did have a horse show this weekend, Phil, and I, this past weekend and at lots of horse shows actually in, in the horse park was a bumping, which was fun to see. And, uh, Phil, it was, it was 38 degrees Fahrenheit when I rode my <laughs> Grand Prix special. It was no joke. <laughs> it was cold. I thought of you. It's a good yes. thing. Well, my- well, we have not been 30 degrees Fahrenheit. We've been up in the upper 20s celsius so yeah so we flip we flip rolls for once yeah like it was that. oh man let me tell you it was something uh but my 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 boy is such a good good soul so he he took it in stride and and honestly for the grand prix special a little cooler weather was uh much appreciated by he and and i for sure awesome so uh, we've got a little bit of business to uh, to attend to here for for i guess usdf and and uh and our own messages coming in. So what do you have? Yeah. So I have just today, um, and I'm actually on this, this committee that works on this, this Annex A. So an update to Annex A, a supplement to DR 121 of the USCF dressage rules, um, has been updated. And this is such an important document. It has all the bits, equipments that are legal or not legal, um, as a note, if you look at that Annex A, pending review and Annex A are not allowed in USEF slash USTF competitions until determined otherwise. Please refer to the FEI dressage rules directly for permitted equipment for CDIs. So this particular document doesn't go, doesn't review that. But if you haven't taken a look at this Annex A, absolutely go and do it. Because a lot of equipment, there's so much new equipment out there. 
and so many questions. And this is such a good document to go. Uh, there are pictures. A lot of time has been put into this to try to help make equipment. It's it's just confusing. And so hopefully it, it will help people on when it's legal and why it's not legal and et cetera. So I hope that helps people. So that was one update that, that came out today. And I wanted to make sure everybody knew about that. Okay. Fantastic. Well, um, we have a trainer question um, about somebody uh, rehabbing a horse. They, they sent that into our Facebook page. So normally we cover these in the uh, trainer tips, but I think this one's pretty easy. You know, if, if you are rehabbing a horse and wondering about exercises and, and things to do, I will refer you to Jack Ballou's book on 55 corrective exercises for horses. So that has been a fantastic resource for me and for for horses in my program and, and horses uh, and riders who are looking for things to do. So this rider, you know, they yeah. rehabbing is really hard. It's it's really, really hard, hard and it's really hard mentally to, you know, give the horse interesting things to do, but basically and walk for a while, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, your vet your vet has recommended a, you know, 10, 20 minute, 30 minute walk program that you've got to do for, you know, four, six, eight weeks. So this book has got a lot of great exercises uh, for correct, corrective of problems, but also for rehabbing. And uh, I think people should just go ahead and, and, and check that out. And, yeah, or, that's you know, a great book. Also, um, Core Conditioning by Simon Kirkoza is yeah. also a good book to, to look at. And, and just kind of this brings that if you're new to the show, which we're so happy you're here, um, we do have a book club. And uh, those are actually on our website. We've just gone through a lot of people asked us, like, what books have you gone through? And you can now find that on the website. And the other thing is you can always search uh in if you go to our website, you can search those books and the interviews will come up about them. So you can hear typically from the author and from an auditor. Uh, we review the books, and that is a great way to sort of find out what's going on. But those two books are great for rehabbing horses. And we have a really good book club going on right now. I think going into the show season, as a lot of us are. Um, John Hames, Ride Big, The Ultimate Guide to Building Equestrian Competence. This is a book. Phil and I have been enjoying reading it. I got I got a sneak peek this winter when, when the book was coming out um, to read it. And it's a great book. And I'm rereading it just because I think it's so important. So we hope you enjoy that. And again, all the book club books are, are on the website. And, and we hope uh, those are good resources for everybody. We use them. We read them. We we. Phil and I have a lot of conversations about the books and which books we want to highlight. So uh, we hope um, as, as a community, we can continue enjoying those. So those are great recommendations, aren't they? Yes. So um, we've got kind of a busy show. So I think we should get right to it after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products. We're going to talk to Jennifer Williams. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Have you heard of Saccharomyces boulardii? It's a yeast, a type of probiotic. Often referred to as S. boulardii, it benefits your horse's digestive tract in several different ways. 
One unique property of S. boulardii is that it supports the stimulation of something called brush broader membrane enzymes that are found in the intestinal lining. These enzymes help your horse digest starches and sugars in the small intestine. When the sugars and starches are more completely digested, fewer of them escape into the hindgut where they can ferment and cause imbalances that lead to colic, diarrhea, and laminitis. Saccharomyces boulardii is found in Nalox Advance, made by Kentucky Performance Products. Nalox Advance contains a blend of yeast, fermentation solubles, and stomach buffers. These ingredients work together to maintain your horse's digestive tract in peak condition. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages and stages and is fed on a daily basis. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight, I am so excited to have Jennifer Schrader-Williams. She and I have been friends for many years, and she is a Grand Prix international rider from the West Coast, from Somervale Premier Dressage, and she is getting ready for the Olympic Selection Trials. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we are, we love having you on the show and I forgot to introduce, you are also a mother of two of the most adorable children. And I just, I want to hear how you are getting ready for the Olympics. How do you balance being a mom of two kiddos and a wife? It's so cool. So I'll let you get started to tell tell us all a little bit about yourself. Well, the best, most uh, fulfilling thing that I have going on is my two kids here. Uh, They're my biggest fans, and they have really supported me in this journey and have a really great time coming to the horse shows and and, uh, being around and a part of my life. And I have a very supportive husband that uh, has uprooted his life to come be with us while we're here training and working from his office 12 hours a day (laughs) and not seeing friends and not, you know, getting to do nearly as much as he gets to do when he's at home. So, um, it takes a, a, a huge village to make it all work, but, um, we've really enjoyed being here and the kids are a huge, I want them to see me following my dreams and living my passion. So it's been really fun having them. That's amazing. So you're still in Wellington, Florida, right? Getting ready for the Olympic selection trials that will happen. We're recording on Thursday night. So you'll be kind of next week, right? You'll be right involved with the selection trials. How is that going to work for you guys? Yeah. So normally we were planning on staying till April 15th and then we've stayed uh, now through end of June. Uh, Next week, the horses will are allowed to come in on a Monday and they plan to have everything set up Tuesday. Tuesday morning is the jog. Wednesday evening at 8 p.m., we have the Grand Prix. And uh, from what I understand, they're going to put us in order of world ranking points um, in reverse order. So we'll have the Grand Prix. And then 
on Thursday, we'll have some meetings and some planning sessions and uh, Friday night will be the special to music. So we'll uh, get to do that again in the evening. And uh, we're really looking forward to that. We've actually put together, had some music created for the special. Um, We tried to do everything that we could to really embrace the entire process and really learn and do everything that we could to be a part of it and learn how it all works. And Mm -hmm. um, we're excited to debut this music. Yeah. The special to music is new, isn't it? That's a fairly new thing in the, in North America. It's been in Europe, right? But it's new for us. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly new for me. I, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times they put music to your special and I always notice, boy, that's nice. And it's very relaxing. And I always feel like it actually helped enhance a lot of the movements and, and just, kind of create a little bit more regularity at times and just let you follow a rhythm, follow a beat. Uh, and so this will be the first time we put in, putting together our own music. So that'll be a lot of fun and try to try to not make it too specific. So if you get off timing or if you get a little, you don't want to feel like you're in front or behind of your music, but you do want to feel like it enhances and that it just flows. Right. Right. So tell us about Million. I can't wait to hear about him. Oh, he's just the best. I, I'm every year, you know, we set, we have goals and we, you want to do your best for the horse and you want to help them succeed. And he just continues to just blow me away with his heart and his try. He, you know, he came to me later in life. He was 13 when I met him and he had shown maybe one fourth level test. Um, and, and, all of or several of my best horses that I've gotten the opportunity to have partnerships with have come in as sale horses. We do operate a sales business. And so he came into my life uh, first at 11 and I sold him to a wonderful, wonderful gal. And then he came back into my life at 13. And, and um, I just, I, every time I'd seen him or sat on him, I just enjoyed him so much. And he had just such a wonderful work ethic. Um, and, but he, you know, he had pretty low miles. So, um, he had a good knack for Piaf Passage. He was pretty wild in the changes. was never <laughs> really sure in the beginning if, uh, the two Tempe's and the one Tempe's were really going to be our jam. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that took a few years, but, um, he's just an incredibly kind horse that, you know, he's, he's a hotter type than, than I typically ride, but he's very, um, confident as well. So under the lights, the electric atmosphere, um, getting on him cold with a, with several days off, all of that is really great. He's very calm and and collected and confident. Um, but he's, he's a worker bee. So I just have to manage at times, making sure he feels relaxed and confident in the work so that he doesn't start offering up a bit too, too many new movements (laughs) or new, (laughs) new angles in the movements. So but he's just been a real joy and a real blessing to have. And um, we've had a great, great couple years together and, and we're just going to keep going. Well, while he tells us that he's feeling good, he is 18 this year and he's never felt more happy in the work, more physically fit and strong. And um, he's always knock wood, been a very sound, hardy horse. So I knocked for you. Sorry. I'm like, yeah. wait, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask, uh, you know, what was, what was the season that, that led up to here? Like, when did you arrive in Florida? Was it always your plan just to, you know, hit the, hit the ground running? Had, had you done 
thing like 2020 was tough on all of us i think and uh, just kind of wondering how did you prepare for, to to have a successful show season while you know in the midst of a pandemic yeah so last year uh the pandemic really took hold right as we were finishing up our season so i think not last year in the march 15th nations cup is when everything really started to shut down so we were able to do four or so shows last year and then we were really fortunate to be able to continue on and go to the festival of champions at lamplight in august so he was able to stay going and competing through august and uh we were able to continue seeing my coach at home, Christoph Thiele, he was able to do a lot of FaceTime with me. And he was really, uh, we, he would still come out once a month and we would just social distance. He'd you know, keep his distance. He drove instead of fly. So that all worked out really well. And Mickey started to really feel like he knew his job. He was confident in the work. And so it's been nice to really just test things at this point. I'm not having to work in very hard day to day, even through the winter. It was really, you know, check things, maybe haul them out once in a while, go to an outdoor. And so by the time we came, we came this year in December uh, instead of January. So it's slowly we're starting to be along each season. He he felt ready to go, went in the ring and, and had a very solid test and then just started to up the pressure or or try to be a little bit more specific on what I was asking and a little bit more clarity on certain movements and asking a little bit more pizzazz as the test started to go on. Um, But yeah, he, I mean, we felt like we could just come in and continue trying to build from where we left off from last year. Oh, that's fantastic. And it just sounds like Wellington's fantastic for you as a mom, right? Because you can have the, have your kiddos. They're not babies anymore, but you can have them there. So tell us kind of what's your daily life sort of leading up to the selection trials with, with your family down there? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, Sunday is our day to go do family things. So we do church in the morning and we usually make it a beach day or we're trying to get the kids into some kind of activity. Uh, We were doing tennis for a while. Um, My daughter and I have now picked up ballroom dancing. So that's something that we do on certain weekdays. And I found like that has been a big outlet for me. Stretch myself and and do some other things while um, the horses have some downtime. And that's something my daughter and I really enjoyed doing together. And my son comes with us to to any of the lessons or to we've done a few competitions now. So that's been a really enjoyable time this season. We've all embraced that. And my husband comes along for the ride and he enjoys watching us. <laughs> uh, he's again, he's just so supportive and loves seeing us have fun and, and uh, try new things. And um, he's actually going to be running, started picking up training for triathlons while we've been down here. So we're, really trying to keep ourselves very busy. And um, as we get closer to the trials, though, now it's been now focusing on the riding piece more and uh, just doing anything I can to keep myself fit and ready to go and uh, just keeping the same regiment with Mickey and not changing too much with him um, as the competition draws near. 
Well, fantastic. Well, we are going to be wishing you luck next week. I'm going to be watching and and just, you know, sending all the good vibes. So how can our listeners find you online um, if and and watch watch you next week in the selection trials? Yeah, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Somervale Premier Dressage. And we also have a great website, SomervalePremierDressage.com, where you can read about history, horses that we have for sale. Uh, we have some incredible sponsors, Halter Ego, Kingsley Boots, Albion Saddles, Triple Crown Feed, Adeptus Nutrition. Uh, we just have a lot of information on there and we'd love for you to check it out and see what we're up to. Well, fantastic, Jennifer. We are rooting for you next week. Good luck on the selection trials for Tokyo. Thank you so much, guys. It's a real pleasure to be on. Thank you. Tired of having your boot sucked off bid-stride by sticky mud? Mud control grids are the solution. Frustrated by mushy, slippery messes at the paddock gates? Mud control grids are the solution. Is keeping the ground underfoot stable in your sacrifice areas and dry lots causing you to lose sleep? Once again, mud control grids are the solution. You're seeing a trend here, aren't you? Well, Han Plastics Mud Control Grids really has come up with the best solution. Unlike other plastic grids on the market, mud control grids can be installed directly on top of the mud. Let me say that again. Right on top of the mud. You don't need to do any ground preparation. The mud control grids are an instant solution to your high-traffic muddy areas. No more having to fill in with sand, gravel, shavings, or even old carpet. What's more... Mud control grids will allow grass to grow underneath of them so they can be taken back up once the area is dry or recovered. Or you can leave them right where they are and take over again when the rainy season comes back around. Han Plastics mud control grids are designed to be installed as a temporary or permanent solution. You can take them with you with you move. Put down a lot, put down a few. Add more each year. The ultimate mud control solution. Check out Han Plastics Mud Control Grids at mudgrid.ca. Oh, an added bonus, your tractor or gator won't sync up to its axles with Han Plastics Mud Control Grids in place. So there's that. www.mudgrid.ca. Well, tonight I am super excited about this conversation because we have my sister, Lindsay Koffler Cassidy. Lindsay is a USTF gold medalist and has many uh, international medals at young rider level. And we also have Megan Carr. Megan has ridden through preliminary eventing. She is an MSCDA judge and judges a ton of shows around here in Kentucky. Um, Ladies, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having me. (laughs) <laughs> so we were chatting at, at the clinic a couple weeks ago together just about how both you ladies have really changed your careers over time. Um, both of you as young riders were incredibly dedicated and showed all over the country and all different levels and all different horses. And then life happened. And um, I'm so lucky because Lindsay is still very much a part of my career and it has been my eyes on the ground. Um, but kind of how your lives have changed over time. And I think that this is such an important topic 
for a lot of our listeners and a lot of people as their career goes forward. So Linz, I'm going to have you start the conversation. Tell us about yourself and a little bit about, obviously you had my children, so they're perfect. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay had the babies in the family and I just get to love on them. But Linz, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and sort of how your career has changed over time. All right. Well, um, I guess that over the past, well, my oldest is about to be 11. So over the past 11 years or so, I have kind of stepped back from my riding career and um, kind of been more importantly a mom, which I believe is a very important job. And um, at that time, it just the horses didn't fit super well into my lifestyle. I didn't feel very comfortable leaving little children to go riding for a long period of time. Um, during that time, I actually was lucky enough to be able to come out to your farm, Reese, and mm-hmm. enjoy brushing and watching the horses. And during that time, you also had young horses as I had young children. Yeah, so um, that's true. that was yeah. a lot of fun because it was kind of development on all levels, um, <laughs> young horses and young people. <laughs> so, uh, Certainly interesting. I guess you didn't have to change the diapers, but no, that <laughs> I was, got that yes, job. by choice. I'm just saying. <laughs> by choice. Um, so, you know, that um that time was I think kind of good for me and healing for me. I um I lost my international horse. He ended up with DSLD and had to be put to sleep um from that disease, which is pretty terrible. And that was really hard for me to go through emotionally with that horse my young rider horse and very difficult and Reese remembers a very emotional horse himself. So just to deal with that whole thing was a little bit tough and it was maybe good to step back and have children and step away for a little while and get a little perspective on um, where I wanted horses to fit into my life. And as the kids got older, they became a little more interested going to Reese's farm, which was fun. And we kind of controlled that and Reese's old Grand Prix horse, Loverheart was fantastic at pony rides. So Meep stepped in and was the pony pony ride princess. And um, so that was great. And as they got a little older, my husband and I started talking a little bit. He is fantastic and thankfully allows me to keep my horse dreams alive. And we, he actually grew up on a farm as well. So Ross was pretty interested and okay with the idea of getting back into horses in some way. So we started to talk about that. We started to talk about the amount of land that we would want, what, you know, that would look like for us. Did we want to have a business? Did we not want to have a business with the horses? And as we looked at it, I kind of, we decided we wanted to keep it more quiet and family oriented, not, you know, as much a boarding barn. I think, Husbands always think it's a good idea, maybe, (laughs) or spouses to uh, maybe think of a boarding facility. But after seeing Reese's facility and and how much goes into that, you know, we both work full time and that just wasn't an option for us at the time. So we moved out to the 10 acres and kind of started renovating a house and slowly actually rather quickly this past year with COVID got into the barn renovation. So we, we did this, that this past year and through all of that, I, uh, I got a thoroughbred horse that was really quite nice that I had and kind of restarted and um, was retraining. And it kind of became apparent that he was maybe not 
the horse for us, for me. And, you know, it's, I think important. Reese was great and saying too, and I think it's important to listen to your trainer. We were both like, maybe he's not the right fit right now for me. And that became kind of apparent. I thought, well, he, he needs to kind of move on too. So I sold him and Reese and I started to talk. And I think being a mom and thinking about that, it, safety was a priority of mine. Enjoyment of the sport and the development of riding was important to me. And Reese and I really talked about that. We talked about what kind of horse did I really need to have? And when we kind of started making a list, it, it, it was very concise of what I wanted. And I think that it's important to stick to a list and stick to what your trainer says may be a good option for you. And you know, really don't settle. I think, I think yeah. maybe to begin with, I was just excited to get back into riding. So I thought, Oh, you know, this is going to be great. <laughs> I have this yeah. thoroughbred. And then I was like, wait, you know, my goal really is to just enjoy riding and to go ride in clinics and be able to ride, you know, fourth level, third, fourth level, and maybe a little higher still. And, you know, so we really thought about that. And I said, we're, you know, we're just going to wait. And I just so happened to get lucky that there, I did find a horse. And so I now have that back in my life. And thankfully, I also have Reese that pushes me a little bit. And again, I think it's important to have somebody and Megan does the same thing for me, actually, when we talk yeah. about kind of pushing yeah. and saying, come on, you go do this. And um, let's see, was it last week we had the clinic with Scott Hassler and mm-hmm. Reese was great. Um, we ended up through kind of a, not a great circumstance, but somebody could not make it. Um, to ride and Reese said, you know, why don't you come ride? And I was like, oh, I'm not ready. And then I thought to myself, wait, I'm going to a clinic. And that's the point is yeah. not to maybe be ready. <laughs> like I'm not right. and, I'm going to learn. And, and you, you know, part of, because you do work full time, you are, um, you, you have a job that isn't in horses and, uh, you're an ophthalmic technician. So you run an office and work, you know, really eight to five thirty. you know, and you've got to get home and ride. So really riding for you is probably four days, right? If you're lucky a week. Um, it is just about, I mean, I, we always laugh that my horse probably lunges more than I ride him. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, he gets to keep him, but that is the reality, right? Of your life, right? It's not like, you know, myself, I can ride six days a week. You know, that's my job. I mean, I'm here all the time and that's my job, but really if you can get four days in, that's awesome. (laughs) You know, and 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 we talked about that too, about the appropriateness about the, of the horse that had to be able to be ridden, not every day and be okay. Right. I mean, the thoroughbred you were restarting. Yeah, the thoroughbred you were restarting was a an, an everyday project. Like he needed the consistency of being ridden every day. And the horse that you have now, you know, he he is he is safe. He is easy to deal with in the barn. He's good with the kids um, because um, my niece and your daughter, uh, she's in the barn now, and her friends are in the barn. So you need a horse that's safe for the children and and be you know basketball's happening and you know like <laughs> stuff happens. The kids are on their bikes and you know, you needed a horse that was safe to, to still ride and to still do that kind of stuff. And I think that that was really important. Um, and you, that was what you needed. And so you were able to find a horse that, you know, he's not, um, 
he's very appropriate for your, you know, again, your riding level is very good. And so Lindsay, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that, but Megan, I want you to talk about, come into the conversation and tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, and what you, uh, you know, how your career has changed over time. Yes. Thanks, Reese. I um, started out in eventing, actually. My mother was a dressage rider and my dad was a race tracker. Um, and our family kind of morphed together where, you know, mom stuck on the dressage. I grew into the eventing and evented my entire life, but always was that kid that kind of loved the, dr- the dressage, loved the flat work. Um, we were eventing preliminary with my last horse that I was schooling fourth level. So the jumping kind of went to the wayside because if you can do a pirouette, you can jump, um, mm-hmm. was my theory back then. I've had a bunch of horses over my history. And my really special one was a chestnut thoroughbred named Jonathan with ease, um, was his show name. And I really got to start him from the ground up, which was really an amazing thing to be able to do. Um, my old horse was about 13, had some questionable issues. So we decided to retire him early. I got this guy as a Christmas present. Couldn't have been better. Um, honestly, when I walked on the trailer, I didn't even know what color he was. So he was a chestnut and we just kind of grew together. I got him when I was a junior in high school, um, trained very competitively, had the whole calendar, you know, conditioning one day, flat work the next day, jumping, you know, had everything set up college started. I was aiming for the one star on the track to go to young riders. Some family dynamics kind of changed and I unfortunately had to let go of him through leases. He went with my aunt. He went with um, several different people. Um, Oddly enough, he actually through happenstance ended up with the people that bred him. He was an Hmm. off the track thoroughbred. Um, We didn't know this at the time, but I've met a lot of fantastic people through him. And I never really got back to, you know, with school and then with a career, I never really got to get back into the groove. So I kind of had to change my course. So I really was looking at different avenues to still stay relevant, still give back to the sport that had been so great to me. And I decided to keep on my education with going to clinics. Um, I helped found with a few friends, of Louisville Dressage Society, which had been very active in the late 70s, early 80s. That organization is solely focused on education, so we do a lot of clinics. I was active in Kentucky Dressage Association and also Mid-South Eventing and Dressage Association. So just trying to focus on, although I don't have the time to ride consistently, how can I give back and contribute and still, you know, support the sport I love? And then about the year 2010, I started the MSCVA judging program, which is a mirror image of the USCFL. Um, They have the same requirements where you have to have ridden um, second level. And also I have my eventing license, so I have mileage in um, TDing. So I do about 12 to 20 shows a year. So my favorite part of it is just seeing everyone grow, seeing everyone learn, and being a part of the journey where I can't maybe be on the other side of the fence. I love it. Uh, you know, and it's so true because you're such a good judge because you're very positive. You've been there, you know, and you, you really judge. And it's so important because you judge a lot of shows here and we have a lot of sort of local shows, but that's where so many people get started. And you do such a great job being super positive because you've been, you've been a writer, you know, how that goes. But I wanted to ask you, I mean, 
over time, taking time off, what has it been like to ride again as an adult? Cause we're, we're, we're all in, you know, pushing late thirties or early forties, you girls are in your thirties still, but you know, your body's <laughs> different. Right. And I think we've talked about that. Like sometimes that can be a challenge, right? Yes. No, absolutely. And I am kind of, I guess, a weekend warrior now when I'm not judging, I'm out riding, um, you know, other people's horses that graciously, you know, loan them to me. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's there. The muscle memory is there, but maybe the muscles don't cooperate as much. And I'm, you know, we're not as flexible. We're not as balanced, but I think that's kind of made my mindset shift where I was insanely competitive. I had this track, you know, I was so, you know, so in tune, but now it's like, you know, if, if we get to canter, it's a great day. So just kind of shifting that mindset where, you know, like where we were had this goal and now it's just like, I'm just happy to ride. I'm happy to be a part of, you know, the, the industry, a part of, you know, seeing everyone grow. And then also I can do that on my own now also, but it's just, it's not as easy as it used to be. We're not as young as we used to be. We're not as flexible, but that's okay. And it took a little bit for me to kind of cement and feel okay with that, but it's just, it's the little victories, you know, and it's just about the grassroots, you know, the schooling shows, it's about the basics and that's what it boils down to. And just, yeah. you know, being happy with those little victories. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Linz, can you talk a little bit about that? What, it, what has it been like to, to start riding again, really now with, with your horse, Danny? Yeah, well, you know, it's certainly, uh, it is definitely just like Megan said, it's, it's a little different because your feel is there, but you're maybe not quite as quick as you were when you were younger. And um, so I think sometimes you learn to ride a little more kind of from your brain and from your, you know, and, and from that way of coming at things, like really thinking things through instead of just riding and figuring it out as you do kind of as a young rider, you know, kind of finding your way through things. I think you really think about it. Well, you know, I'm having this problem. This is how I'm going to approach it. And, um, you know, so I think that that is a good thing. And like I said, I think going to the clinics, like Megan was saying, and, and continuing to learn and to see different problems so you know how to address them a little more quickly and effectively is a good thing. And I have enjoyed that. And I've enjoyed that too, you know, helping you with, with the, with the older horses, with the FEI horses and your barn too. And just, like I said, how do we approach things? What is the best way to get to things? And, you know, that's what it's all about. It's really all about having a horse and enjoying what's happening, you know? And I think that, that I've learned that is just enjoy the moment, enjoy what's happening now, because it may not be the same tomorrow, may not be the same the next day, but you're enjoying the process. So you guys, I'll start with Lindsay, but I just wanted to ask you because you guys rode, uh, you know, kind of at the same time I was kind of growing up and riding where, where there was kind of limited educational, you know, resources and stuff. I mean, we had, you know, I could go and buy, buy a book, but that, but that's about it and read the magazines. We talk a lot on this show about the resources that are available to riders nowadays. Is, is there anything in particular that uh, stands out to you that you, you've been using or, or has been helpful? Well, I mean, I think the show is amazing. You know, I mean, pro podcasts just didn't, you know, uh, obviously exist. Um, I think that USDF has done a nice job putting, you know, various things. Like I've noticed on their Facebook page, there's been different clinics that we wrote in as young riders, actually, that have popped up that they're kind of releasing out. And 
those little clips are wonderful. I think YouTube is great for certain things. Um, you know, I think a bunch of the judges, even on their Facebook pages and things, put out education. I just, I enjoy scrolling through Facebook and I actually, I like seeing also not only the education, but seeing how everybody's doing out in the horse world and the goods and the bads. But for education, for sure, I think that, gosh, the podcast, the videos, everything that's available is just amazing. You don't have to travel eight hours to a symposium anymore. And that I think is a game changer. I think it's a leveler kind of a little bit as well, you know, for anymore, it's not, I can't go to the symposium. It's like, well, now you can watch the symposium or, you know, you can listen to the podcast and that, that is, you know, definitely a a different, a different game. I mean, I think that that is a really wonderful thing when you're having a problem and you can type it in the computer and find, have things pop up on, you know, if you're searching whatever search engine you're using and, you know, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Megan, do you have anything to to add on that, on that subject? No, no, I, I completely agree. And I love, like Lindsay said, USDF has done a fantastic job on, you know, with their whole education portal and everything is just so much easier to access right now. I remember, you know, back when we were growing up, we'd have clinics kind of sporadically, but now you have, you know, YouTube, you have USDF, you have, you know, the internet. And also, you know, we're shifting to a virtual ward with, with clinics and rides. Like you can have a ride with a trainer that maybe isn't there physically with you, but there are tools, you know, like video, you know, or FaceTime that you can use to, you know, still be able to access those trainers that maybe aren't physically there. And also I know at least in this area in Kentucky, we have several fantastic organizations that work very hard to put on clinics consistently. You know, I think any weekend in Kentucky, you've either got a show or a clinic. And we're super lucky in this area to, to have that on top of, you know, the virtual options. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And I love, Megan, that you said, like, and you have been a huge part of the organizations. And I think that that is super important that um, all the GMOs, they have riders and people like yourselves that, that are coming through now and, and can help run the organization because they know where the writers have been and what, what, what is happening. And I think that that's so important. And I love that, you know, you said how much you give back because you give back a ton and, um, you know, helping to start up a GMO like the Louisville Dressage Society it is very, very focused on education and affordable education opportunities. And I think that that has been phenomenal also for, for the area and and all of us as we've kind of developed. So I have to thank you both so much for coming on the show tonight and talking about, you know, these are, these are issues I think that will resonate with a lot of our listeners um, and myself too. I mean, I think Phil and I, you know, we're certainly not as young as we used to be. And, and that is challenging as you age as a rider. Um, but to hear how you both have come back to the sport after uh, careers and family is, is pretty cool. And um, I'm so lucky to have you both in my life. And um, I yeah, can't I wait think, to see. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to I was just going to jump in here and just say, you know, even if you've been away from horses for a while, uh, the, the community is still very much. Uh, welcoming and you know riding dressage hasn't changed that much you know mm-hmm. and and the need for volunteers and for people in the you know in the community to be doing wonderful grassroots work to you know to support local clinics or shows or or all kinds of different things that you can do i mean 
it's 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 really important even if you even if you come back and you're not riding right away it's it's great to get connections and make friends and and all that great stuff i think is awesome mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Lindsay and I can say, uh, we're, we're, we're big in the pony club now, aren't we, Lynn? We didn't even <laughs> yes, do pony club. I'm a pony clubber now, a D1 pony clubber. <laughs> I know. I'm even going, I'm even, you know, at the, I'm going to pony club camp this weekend too. I'm teaching Lindsay's teaching, uh, and it, and it's really fun to, to go. We, we, Lindsay and I did not do pony club together cause we grew up kind of all uh, Megan too. Like we had our own. I was going to say of, Megan's the one I call yeah. <laughs> when I don't Lindsay. know what's going on the club. <laughs> yeah. Like we don't know. Like we, Oh gosh, I, I helped take Addie the other day. I thought she was testing. We were like cramming in the car. Oh my. But um, you know, it's really fun to kind of be, be part of that as well. And, and me too, as, as an aunt, just to kind of come in and, and enjoy, you know, seeing the next generation come up and, and um, you know, all the horses now have sparkly feet. That would never have happened before, Phil could tell you. But now I'm like, whatever, you want to sparkle their feet, go for it. So, <laughs> a lot of fun. So but thank yeah, you great. both. Yeah, so much for coming on and uh, sharing your stories. And and we're going to keep tabs on you two as in the next couple of years on what's going on. So thanks so much for your time tonight. Thank you all. Thank you for having us. This has been awesome. Bates Saddles are the saddle brand that truly put your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Bates Saddles offer you many features you don't find with other saddle brands, including the external flexi-block system, which is anatomically contoured to your leg, allowing it to ride in behind the block and support your individual position for maximized comfort and security. An adjustable ergonomic stirrup bar, which allows effortless rider alignment to be achieved by altering the position of the stirrup bar, enabling you complete control over your preferred leg position. Many styles are available, including the new Bates Dressage Saddles, the Bates Victress Show Jumping Saddle, and the Bates Advanta Eventing Saddle. It is the official saddle of the United States Eventing Association. You can learn more about Bates Saddles at BatesSaddles.com. That's Bates saddles.com the podcast is north america's most listened to horse show inspired podcast with over 200 episodes hosted by me piper clem publisher of the plaid horse magazine listen in to hear guests which include olympic equestrians top hunter jumper and equitation riders trainers, vets, farriers, horse show managers, and industry insiders discussing topics that matter, horsemanship, collegiate riding, the state of our sport, and horse show how-tos for riders at every level. One episode each month is devoted to the mental side of your ride with nationally recognized mental skills coach and author Tanya Johnson. You will also hear insider stories about how the Plaid Horse Magazine comes together every month. Well, I'm so happy that my sister, Lindsay Koffler-Cassidy, stayed on the program tonight to talk to us a little bit about horse show pet peeves. She is a USDF gold medalist and has many international medals at Young Riders. Lindsay, thanks for staying on the show. Oh, well, I'm glad to stay on. (laughs) (laughs) But we were were horse showing this weekend, and it was very cold, actually, and and early, very, very early. We had our earliest ride ever. We were had a 7.22 a.m. horse show time. Uh, Yeah. yeah. 
it was, and it was the coldest. It was it, we broke a temperature record in Kentucky. It was 38 degrees um, before I wrote Fahrenheit. Exactly. Yes. Thanks, Phil. Fahrenheit. Um, but we were we were laughing on the way home and we were like, we should talk about horse show pet peeves on the radio show. So Linz, tell us what are your what are your I wouldn't say top three, but what are three horse show pet peeves you have? Well, you know, sitting and watching the warm-up, I had to I have to say there are a few things that I think are pretty important for safety when I was watching. And one of them is and and I'm not sure it's still taught, but it really should be in the warm up, left shoulder to left shoulder, when you're riding in the arena. Yes. And we were always taught that when we were younger, and I think that is should still be in play. And uh, so unless you know you're telling somebody you're going to go down alongside, or you know you're going to break that rule, I think you should follow that rule for safety, so everybody knows where everybody's going. So agreed. That's, that's completely one of the big ones for me. Um, we'll see. Another one is definitely to walk off the track. If you're going to be walking yes. or, you know, in your warm up for a significant amount of time, if you're not just making a transition and moving on, if you're going to walk, you need to be walking on the inside track off the rail so that people that are riding actively can still ride around you. Love it. So Preach it. That was another one. Preach so, it. The next so one, here, here you go. Here, here okay. you go, lady. Here you go. Filled <laughs> in. So you're walking because you want want to let other people, you know, have the track. And now you've got somebody coming the other direction in canter. Are you going to let them have the track, or does the shoulder left shoulder left shoulder rule apply? So when you're walking, you should just be on the inside. Yeah. So you, so then, the, then the you, person then you break the left to left rule. Riding, right. You would break the left to left rule there. Okay, you would break the left it. to left rule. I, I agree, but that, that can be confusing like for people, it. right? The clarification was, is good. The clarification. Good clarification. Is very good. And you if also wa- just walking. <laughs> if you're just walking. So you're not gonna hog the track while you're walking. But Again, I think that's where good open communication is good. But if you're clearly walking, you will be, have been walking off the track. This was a big thing when I was in Germany. I would You get yelled at if you were walking the track. So, like, I'm paranoid of walking on the track. But you also need to yield to the person that is doing the higher movement. So, if someone's piaffing and passaging, don't ride right in front of them. You know, go away. Try to get away and... <laughs> And in, in, in our a circle, in circle. Is a thing, you know, exactly. Yeah. Like, don't you know? Just be cognizant. And and actually, we were lucky. We're, we're making it sound like I I was warming up with one of my training partners, so it wasn't. We had a very uneventful warm up, and when and and hopefully the horse shows doesn't always happen, especially at a difficult. But you'll you know, it's nice to warm up with people that are doing your same class because you kind of know where they're going and what they're doing. Um, and I happen to be, like I said, warming up with my training partner and another Grand Prix rider. So we, there was just the three of us in the ring. So we were able to sort of communicate and everybody kind of knew what everybody was doing. But I think that's really important. But I think that comes down to the fact of a lot of us don't ride in our lessons with another person or another couple people. So I do think it's really important that you practice riding with other people. And so that when you're in the warm up, you don't panic and sort of 
actively get in someone's way. Not that you're actively trying to do that, but I think it's really important to do that so that you're used to that idea. So that's, that's kind of my take on that. Yeah, but it, I think that's a great tip is just organize mm-hmm. a day where everybody rides together right? just to get, get comfortable mm-hmm. with keeping your head up and keeping your eyes up. That's good. Any, that's good riding anyways, but also you've got to kind of, you know, let's say you're doing a diagonal, you've got to know where everybody is mm-hmm. a little bit and not just expect everybody to know where you're going. You know, like, you know, you're on a diagonal, but other people don't know. And, and not, you know, not everybody rides with their head up, as up as they should, or, or they're not focused yeah. on you. So I, 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 you know, it's good to basically just like you're, you know, when you drive in traffic, you drive a bit defensively, like you keep an eye sure. on where everybody is going and saying, what would happen if that person continued on their line or, you know, blew a stop sign or I, I kind of try to drive like, like that, like being responsible yeah. for yourself, also being kind of responsible. Like what if that person didn't stop there? You know, where would I be? And what, you know, that kind of, that kind of defensive driving technique can be very useful in, in a warm up, And, and, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody's trying to be rude, but be, be prepared to make a downwards transition just in case, you know, you yeah. just have to be a just in case situation or, or say, you know, don't be afraid to yell out like diagonal, you know, okay. You know, for, for one second, you, you know, you're yelling at everybody, but at least, you know, you can let everybody know where you're going. Like, I think that's helpful. Yeah, no, I think Absolutely. that that's so good. And and a lot of times now, I mean, we we probably all have headsets in right now, but you have your headset in. So, you know, I'm just hearing Lindsay in my ears. So, uh, you know, sometimes it, you have to really, you know, and, 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 you know, Lindsay's watching and again, coaching, she kind of will say, Hey, heads up, you know, diet, you know, watch where you're going, you know, so they're kind of watching your coach, but you know, other people have people in their ears too. So there's a lot of things that are going on. Um, but I think also learning to ride your warm up plan with people in the arena. You know, you need to ride your warm up plan without other people, but then you have people in the arena and it makes people nervous and, and yeah, you have to get it just adds it adds another element of uh horse show <laughs> nerves. Yeah. Of you know, course. So if you're if you're properly prepared, then that won't be an issue. But if you're not that's mm-hmm. just going to throw off your whole day and you're going to be upset because Absolutely. something happened in the warm up and then you know and then you go into the arena to do your test and the warm up thing is still in your head and you know, sure. you know every all that kind of stuff all of it and i think off, that's gets you off your game yeah goes on i think when we were watching the warm up i mean you could see that was happening right lens like you could see people were yeah. just oh, well and, and that you know it definitely leads me into that the the next p that p that uh, Bill kind of brought up was people need to look up when you ride. <laughs> Please. So many people, you know, I mean, it's something actually that the dressage riders can learn from the jumpers because you never see somebody turning to ride a jump. That's not looking where they're going, you know, and, no. and they're all jumping the same way, you know, so it is important to look up, you know, and for some reason, dressage riders tend to have that tendency to kind of look down or, <laughs> You know, but just you tunnel vision. What's going on? Yeah, 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 vision. yeah tunnel yeah. vision. But you know, yeah, look up, look where you're going. You know, and that sort of thing, just so everybody mm-hmm. kind of can see each other. You know, I, I, I think that's that's a really important thing. Yeah, yeah and I don't. I mean, I, I, you know, the the Europeans we can learn a lot from because you will see packed, oh, so much packed, smaller warm ups, warm ups, <laughs> and they're all doing like FEI level tests, and you know. Yeah. 
they know how to make it work. And I think, you know, over here we, we can make it work, but we're just, you know, we arrive at the showgrounds a little bit underprepared and, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. disorganized a little bit, you know, just expecting people to move out of our way. Uh, Wait, probably, exactly. Nobody's going to move out of your way. Expects, expects the <laughs> other people to move out of the way. Well, there's going to be a lot of crashes. I can tell yeah. you. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've experienced there's- it. I've done. Yes. I mean, I've been, I'm guilty of this stuff too. It's it's not sure. like oh you sure. know. No, I think we've all had it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But these are just you know tips to I, to you know as people get back to horse showing or you know. Uh, the, I get the, another the, one. Ready? You got one? Oh yeah. <laughs> people yelling at volunteers. Like there is nothing that I will just give somebody the meanest look. Because, you know, here, you know, these volunteers, I mean, it's 38 degrees. It is seven o'clock in the morning and somebody was yelling at the volunteers. I was like, what is wrong with you? Stop yelling at the volunteers. Like, you know, thank the volunteers. Thank you for checking me in, you know, and and everybody's nervous. Nobody's trying to screw up your day. I know like there's a very high, high stressed environment, very highly (laughs) stressed A-type people, but, uh, you know, it's not the Olympics. Be nice to the volunteers. Exactly. And at the Olympics, you will not behave like that. Be nice to your fellow, you know, nobody's trying to mess you up. Right. Exactly. Be nice to your fellow competitors. And, um, and the other thing is, and and we preach this a lot, but really try to be organized. Cause I, I saw, and we, we saw a couple people in the warm up. They, Oh my gosh, they were just late or something had happened. And just that frantic look you just, I felt, I feel for them and it's happened to me too, but I think it just comes down to, again, like schedule some extra time into your day so that if you do have something happen that you don't sort of come up with that energy. Cause I, you, you know, if you see it in the warm up, and you're like, Oh my gosh, like I feel for that person. Um, so that, that, that's another pet peeve of mine for sure from the horse show. Absolutely. Yep. Phil, do you have anything else? You, uh, you, you, you usually really have them. <laughs> no, I think that's a that's a pretty good list. I think you know that's the biggest thing is is kind of warm up etiquette or just um, you know trying to ensure that you that you get a good you know everybody wants to get a good warm up in everybody wants to do that enormous. I think it's the biggest thing is you know the extended trot and extended canter where things mm-hmm. can go a little bit yeah problematic. Yeah, right. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. Arrive. Yeah. So, you know, if if you're planning to do a big extended trot across a diagonal, which you should be able to do, you should be aware of where the other horses are so that, you know, that's that's the moment where you can't, you know, really pull up and make a halt at the at the you know, within two strides. So Sure, sure. When you're full blast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lynch, thank you so much for staying on the show and, and going over what we were going over this weekend. And uh, we love it. We appreciate you. And uh, we look forward to having you on another segment. All right. That sounds great. Well, Phil, I am not going to lie. We've had some uh, little bit chilly temperatures here in June in Kentucky. And I have in- really enjoyed my total Sata Fit Stability Stirrup Leathers this week. Because I've needed a little extra. Some, some, something a little extra to to uh, to help you <laughs> stay on a little bit, or, or yeah, it was forty-two degrees. 
it was, it's been very chilly for us. So I'm not going to lie. I really actually, I, I really love those stirrup leathers. And I have told two people this week that they need to up their game and get new stirrup leathers. Okay. okay. I know. Well, yeah, they are, they are very helpful. They're very comfortable. So, you know, if you're thinking about making a, a purchase, you know, well, for you, it's kind of mid show season, but for us, we're just, we're just hopefully getting into show season. I think, uh, you know, they can, they can put the icing of, on the cake for your position and oh, help yeah. you feel a little bit more stable. So, uh, great products, uh, as with all the products from, uh, total saddle fit, we thank Justin there for his support of our show. Absolutely. So www.totalsaddlefit.com and uh, check out all their fantastic girths and stirrup leathers. They're all fantastic and we really do uh, love them and use them every day. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, you've got a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week for us. This is off the Facebook page. And as everybody knows, we love the Facebook page. We love to answer questions. Um, this is off the hoof, as Paul, our producer, said right before we got on. I do not know what it is. So it's kind of exciting. Drum roll, please. Phil, what is our Total Saddle Fit <laughs> trainer tip of the week? So this question is uh, concerning a Morgan mare. She's very sensitive and probably had pro problems, you know, not getting trained uh, in in the proper way. So the, the, she's come to this person with some training issues. Um, she's the the Morgan mare is nervous uh, in the contact and to the leg, and so our our listener is looking for tips to get the horse to become more relaxed and and forward and swinging and happy into the contact. So um, I guess I'll throw it to you and you can give us your thoughts on this type of force. I think we've all had, you know, kind of oh, this, yeah. this kind of situation. So, well, and the first thing I would say is any horse, well, any horse that I have come in training, I really try to do the best job I can making sure that the saddle fits, the girth fits, total saddle fit has a great, <laughs> line of girths. Um, but truly like making sure the girths fit, making sure the saddles fit, making sure the bridles are as comfortable as possible, making sure that the bits are the right size. I know that sounds silly and kind of cliche, but that's actually really important, especially with a sensitive horse and especially with a horse that maybe had a job or did something different before you've had him in training. Wouldn't you say, Phil, like, I think it's really important to sort of make sure that that yeah, stuff works. And, and absolutely. I, I, you make a good point about the bits because a horse that's sensitive in the mouth, you've got to, I, I would be investigating trying a couple of different options. So uh, I go to, you know, my go-tos are, um, you know, an egg butt. So, so something with mm -hmm. a fixed ring. So if the horse is, is going in a, in a, it's hard to tell whether it's a bit problem until, until you try it. And some horses right. like the loose rings and some horses like the fixed ring. So an egg butt or a D ring, something like that, go ahead and, mm -hmm. and if they're in one, do the other. And, and of course, you know, if you've got yourself, uh, I, I almost all, all my horses go in a double jointed snaffle. Yeah. Um, uh, not I, all mine. It depends. 
Yeah, it, it, I, I think it's also so if they're in a regular single jointed snaffle, then try a double jointed snaffle and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And then um, the thickness of the bits, you know, something a little thicker, mm-hmm. something a little thinner. I mean, I've been very much surprised, you know, by horses who, oh, you know, you, you say, OK, loose ring, uh, thick bit, double jointed snaffle you know, would be the best. Right. And, and then all of a sudden the horse goes in a, something a little bit thinner or some variation of that and they go better. So it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to tell. And so padding. I, I, I use a nose pads sometimes and chin yeah. pads. Some horses like padding. I mean, if they're really sensitive, uh, you know, again, you really should play around with this. You should ask your trainer. Uh, there are bit fitters. Like, I just think it's important just starting out when you have a sensitive horse to just make sure that you have tack that fits because yeah. I think it, especially, um, with a horse that maybe had a different career before. So I, I train a horse. He's a wonderful horse. Um, he just went and started in a double bridle, but he was out West and was on a cattle ranch. So we don't a hundred percent know, you know, he's got weird scars and he's, you know, but we don't know what bits he went in. You know what I mean? Like we don't know his history, but we know that that there is definitely something. So he's actually pretty sensitive in his pole and, you know, kind of weird places that wouldn't necessarily be typical, but that's what he is because he's done a different job before. So, um, and he's a wonderful horse. So I think it's important to investigate that. And then. Yeah, there's a variety of nose bands and, and bridle, you know, they, they're, they've come out with a ton of new innovations to uh to help the horses who are sensitive in in different places um you know bridle wise like on on the there's nerves that run all the way down the face and and so again you don't know so you might as well just borrow borrow beg borrow and steal what you can to figure out what's what's best otherwise you know from a training perspective you're hitting your your head against the wall for no reason um if you're having problems bridle wise but you know, the, the next thing is, yeah, you have to, you have to start with the, with the training of the horse. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, right back, you know, right back to basics, it doesn't matter if the horse knows this, that, or the other, you just have to begin from the most simplest thing. And that is the walk halt transitions. Yep. So those have to work really well. You have to be able to put your leg on and, and close your hand a little bit and, and have the horse wait for you, uh, you know, quietly and, 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 and do that every day all the time before i start any any horse i you know they get they get a little bit their long rein and 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 then i you know pick up the reins and i do walk halt walk halt until until i feel like i have a really good connection so i think that's super important and then and then yeah and then you're thinking about your rhythm the horse is very fast and you have to you have to kind of encourage the relaxation, slow them down, even to the point of maybe a little bit too slow, not, not super active. Like, cause you, you can't train the horse if they're not relaxed. So, you know, these, these are the things that, you know, typically we would be figuring out as a, as a three-year-old. So it's, it's the same as when you get a horse that, that has, you know, some training issues or, or, or problems, then you just have to start from right from the beginning and then the the other, I think this is a really helpful exercise. Uh, you know, once you get going and you can walk trot canter and all that is is you know uh, kind of a head to wall leg yield um, because then you're not you don't have to hold the reins. That's, that's the key here is that you can apply the the legs, but you're not holding in the reins to kind of the the wall helps to 
slow the horse down naturally. And I think that's a really useful idea to, to be able to send the horse off your leg, but encourage them not to, not to run away or to go forward. So um, you're only looking for a 30 degree or less angle from the wall. And, and, and just, you know, you take it slow, you do it and walk and then, you know, you straighten out and do a circle and then you come back to the wall and do a few strides, you know, it's just, just take it very easy and, uh, you know, don't expect too much of, you know, it's not going to be a, a one day fix. It's, it's always, you know, months and years of training on, on any horse. So it's, it's a tricky problem, nervous horses and, and, uh, but I've certainly seen a lot of them, you know, come around and, and and learn to be, you know, really great dressage horses. As long as you, you know, as long as you don't expect too much and you take your time, it's, it's, uh, it can, it can be a plus too. I mean, you know, we've talked about kind of horses that are a bit lazy and you need to kick all the time and and stuff like that. That's not really great either. So I think every horse is kind of on one end of the spectrum of, of this, this issue. Yeah. No, I think that that's a really good way to to think about it. You know, it's just one of those things where when you have a sensitive horse, you've got to really, you know, that's where that scale of training comes into play in the pyramid of training. And, you know, there's a great poster you can get at USDF um, to help you with that. And uh, that's exactly what I would recommend is to have you go there and, and work your way up the scale remind yourself of sort of what you're looking at as you do the scale of training. I think that's so important. So um, we wish you the best of luck. Keep us informed with how it's going. But I have a soft spot for Morgans. I've trained a couple in my career and they've all been amazing horses and been great partners. I think they're super smart. Yeah, Yeah, super smart. Super Mm -hmm. smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I've trained a couple and, and, and they've been quite good little FEI horses. And, uh, so I, I really like Morgan's a lot. I like Friesian's a lot. Like I like, I like them. I think they're cool. So, uh, we wish you all the best of luck. Keep going. Know that it, it'll be a little bit of a, a be- slow beginning, but I think once you get the basics going, you'll be ready to rock and roll. So we wish you the best of luck. Well, Phil, our June episodes are always fun for us, aren't they? Well, we, you know, we started this whole project together. You did a couple of episodes and then, you know, basically called me up and said, Phil, you should do this. And then I was like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it is, it is coming up on, well, it's your nine year anniversary today. And that's right. It will be mine at the end of the month, nine years. So congratulations. Thank you. I know. And and we'll, we'll celebrate when it's your nine years, but yeah, nine years of podcasting. If you really want to laugh, my favorite episode, my first episode, which is not my favorite, by the way, was episode 157. So, uh, it's rough. We're not going to lie. Our first couple months were pretty rough, but, uh, if you want to laugh, that was our, my first episode was 157 and Phil came in at 160. We just looked these up. Um, but yeah, this is my nine year anniversary. And the joke is that I told Glenn, who's the owner of the horse radio network that I would do, do the podcast for three months. So here we are and what a journey it's been on. It's been to be on the show and it's such a privilege. So, uh, I enjoy, and, and I know Phil, you do too, that we get to talk with everybody every, every week. And we hope we bring a little community and a little bit of fun and we appreciate everyone's support and keep them coming. Keep the emails and Facebook shout outs coming. We love it. 
And uh, yeah, we, yeah, I mean, we'd love to hear ideas about, you know, how we can make the show better or something that would be interesting for um, for our listeners to or somebody for our listeners to uh, hear from or talk about. I mean, nine, nine years later, we're, we're very open to suggestions. <laughs> we love suggestions. <laughs> and we we do we we love everybody that listens to the show we're thankful that you are are with us every week and for all our sponsors and that we get to do this uh it really truly is a privilege and an honor and, and we really enjoy it so um as always please keep in touch with us the united states dressage federation is your connection to dressage education competition and achievement visit usdf.org for more information that's www.usdf.org the online destination for dressage you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website dressageradio.com like us on facebook just search dressage radio show follow us on twitter at horse radio my website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can probably find me best through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Bait Saddles, Han Plastics, and Total Saddle Fit. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.